What if you could be rich beyond your wildest dreams? Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, Dan's going to tell us about how to launch a course and make a lot of money, how to use Facebook ads to get ahead, you know, how to have some wild kind of plan out there to get a whole lot more email subscribers. No, we aren't going to talk about any of those. We're not going to talk about those tactics. I'm going to have a conversation with my friend Ray Edwards about his new book, Permission to Prosper. And we're going to talk about getting rich beyond your wildest dreams, but it comes from looking inward. It comes from looking inward first. Now, Ray is known primarily for his work in copywriting. He's worked with major names out there like Mark Victor Hansen, Tony Robbins, and others to help them write copy that's compelling. So he's done extremely well in that area and helped generate millions and millions and millions of dollars. There's no question about that. This is different. This is looking inward and maybe uncovering some things that you're struggling with. So here's some of the questions that I ask Ray, and then I'm going to play my interview with Ray Edwards. If I were a rich man, all day long, if I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. If I were a bit a bit rich, idle diddle 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 man. All right, here's some of the questions we're going to be talking about. Why do most people struggle with money? What does it mean to be living in poverty? What is soul prosperity? Ray unpacks that for us. How many times does the word prosper appear in the Bible? Hey, heads up. What do you think that magic number is? What podcast are you listening to? How many times do you think the word prosper appears in the Bible? Yep, you've got it. Well, what's the best way to help poor people? Should businesses give back when they reach success? Now, I'm dropping some little hints in here where we're going to take things in a little bit different direction than you might suspect. Is selling just a way to take advantage of people? Now, here's our quotation for today, and I just pulled something out of Ray's book. So this is from Ray Edwards, who says, Money gives us the opportunity to display trustworthiness, wisdom, generosity, restraint, and love. And our resource for today, no surprise, is permissiontoprosper.com. If you go there, you're going to hear Ray give a little overview of this and also talk about an event that he's got coming up based on the principles here. But go to permissiontoprosper.com. I'll remind you of that again when we finish this conversation. So here's my conversation with Ray Edwards. Well, Ray, I consider it an honor today to have you here to discuss your new book, Permission to Prosper. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm so happy and grateful to be speaking with you today. Well, you know, this is a book that you've been talking about for quite some time. This isn't something where you just sat down in a cubicle and cranked out another manuscript. This is a part of your life. You and I have been talking about this for years, but this really is a core message for you, correct? Yes, I feel as though this is a message that I was given, that I received the, the words permission to prosper direct from my creator. I know that sounds a little far out, but that's 
what I have felt. And it's one of the reasons it's taken so long for me to get the book finished because I've really felt uh, a stewardship to be certain that I was conveying the message that I was hearing. So I've taken quite a bit more time on this than any other project I've ever done. And I'm so pleased to be about to deliver it to those who want and need it. Wow. That, that's a pretty heady setup that you believe you are given the message. Wow. I love that. And I love you taking our ownership of that to pass that on. Well, the book is Permission to Prosper. The subtitle is How to Be Rich Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. Again, that can be something that makes people cringe right out of the gate. You know that well. Why do most people struggle with money so? Well, uh, of course, I certainly am not arrogant enough to think I know the answer for everybody, but I do believe that many of us in our modern day culture have been programmed with beliefs that we don't even know where they came from around the subject of money, wealth, and possessions. And many of those beliefs are rooted in little phrases like money is the root of all evil. And of course, you and I, I'm sure both know that that's not actually what that verse from the Bible says. It says, for a love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And if you dig a little deeper into the text, and no doubt about it, this book is written for Christians and people who have been raised in the Judeo-Christian traditions, because even if you're not, if you don't currently consider yourself a religious or even a spiritual person, whether you're aware of it or not, much of our programming came out of that tradition. And things like money being the root of all evil, about not worshiping money, you can't serve both God and money is another phrase that comes allegedly from the Bible. Again, if you dig into what it actually says, it says you cannot serve both God and mammon. And in the context of what Jesus was talking about in that passage, he was saying you have to worship God or your creator, not money. Money in that context becomes an idol. And I think all of us can probably agree that worshiping or building your life solely around the pursuit of piling up money just for its own sake is probably not going to lead to a satisfying and healthy and fulfilled life. So we have all this cultural programming that's been fed to us by teachers, preachers, TV, movies. Um, much of the film industry and the book industry always portray the rich corporation or business owner as the evil, heavy villain in the piece. And that gets into our subconscious and makes us think, Maybe if I have money, I'm a bad person. And part of my mission, a core part of my mission is to let people know that's not true. Well, you can be prosperous and be good at the same time. Oh, there you go. You know, I have deep theological roots in this subject. Growing up, as my listeners know, the son of a pastor of a little Mennonite church. Well, being in that tight legalistic circle... We were pretty proud of the fact that uh, we didn't have any money because we knew the dangers that would come with having money. And we frowned on those people who left the farming environment, as an example, go into town looking for more money. Our challenge was just not to screw up too much here, and then we go to heaven and everything would be fine there. But the idea of prospering or having a fine car, or a nice house, or being able to be super generous was just not part of our 
theology. And I know that you addressed that in here. But on the counterpart, I want you to talk a little bit about poverty. Because if we glorify poverty, I mean, what are some of the characteristics of poverty that imply more than just not having money? Well, I believe, and I think I back this up pretty well in the book. One of the things I say in the book, there's a chapter entitled, Money Won't Make You Rich and Poverty Won't Make You Holy. And many of us have been sort of raised with the belief of if we're spiritual, if we're truly spiritual, we'll be poor. We'll take a vow of poverty. And I believe there are those who are called to lead a very simple life with not a lot of income or worldly possessions. I'm not one of those people, but I believe that people who are really in that spiritual groove and it's important to their work in the world, I believe that they are prosperous. Poverty and prosperity, I believe, are not indicated by your bank balance or your net worth. I think it goes much deeper and it's much more pervasive than that. Being prosperous or being poor, living in poverty, is about your spiritual internal state. For, the, for those who are truly impoverished all the way to the core, the, the belief you have to hold is there's not enough for everybody to have what they need, and I'm not getting anywhere near what I need, and I'm not going to. And for me to have more, others have to have less. And so those who have more than me have somehow taken advantage of me and repressed me and stolen from me. And those kinds of thoughts lead to more poverty and more separation and more despair in the world. And I believe that true prosperity, it includes money. For those of us who want to set an intention and do the work, we can produce more prosperity in our lives. We can work and create things of value for other people. And the only way we can prosper in the long term is by helping other people. Now, you could you could be a huckster, a con artist, and swindle people for a while, but I don't believe that lasts over a long period of time. You eventually will be found out for what you are, or you'll pay the price in other ways. And my message is, we were put here to prosper, and some will say, well, what about the poor, Ray? There, there are poor people in the world. How could God allow people to be poor? And my question is, I think maybe God's question back to us would be, how can you? I put you here with a mission of creating prosperity for you, for your family, for your customers, for the people who benefit from your work, for those you do business with, for those whom you pay to. And Dan, I actually believe that even if you don't believe all this spiritual stuff, if you're just in business, whether it's selling crafts on Etsy or you create a multi-million dollar corporation, if you're in business, you're already doing the good work of creating prosperity for more people than just yourself. Otherwise, you couldn't be making money for yourself. Well, you loaded that up with a whole lot of implications there. One being poverty is not just the absence of money. And if we, if we talk to people, whether they be in Rwanda or Ethiopia or Venezuela or whatever, what poverty is, they talk about, you know, poverty is an empty heart. Poverty is not being able to make progress. It's isolation, no hope or belief in yourself. 
uh, those, those are the kind of things that people associate with poverty. So it usually is accompanied by yeah, hopelessness, fear, and as you uh, mentioned so clearly, uh, the belief that life really offers meager options. There's not much here. That's a mindset. There's so much that goes with that in addition to no money in the bank. And then the counterpart to that is being prosperous means you believe in abundance. There's plenty for all of us. If I have a lot, it allows you to learn how to do the same, vice versa. So it's very, very different. And I I love you unpacking that mindset that goes with the poverty or abundance, prosperity kind of mindsets. Now, you opened up in there. Well, I want to ask you about this, what you call soul prosperity. You mentioned in your book, one of my favorite verses, that being 3 John 2, where it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And you happen to mention in there, and I was thrilled to see the word prosper appears 48 times in the Bible. So my favorite number, there it is, 48 times the Bible mentions prosperity. But what is that? You, you already talked about a little bit, but what is that soul prosperity? Well, I think that's a deep question we all need to dig into and answer for ourselves. But the fact that he said in that scripture, he says, even as your soul prospers, it often gets overlooked. But I think if you look at the way the sentence is structured, it seems to imply that if your soul is not prospering, you may not experience the full prosperity in the other areas of life. So he talks about health. He talks about prospering all things, which means at the last time I checked, it means all things, even as your soul prospers. And if your soul is not prospering, then what is happening? You have some kind of poverty of soul or poverty of spirit. And an abundance of money will never compensate for a poverty of spirit. The more you try to heal that wound or fill that void with money, the more impoverished you become. Because true prosperity, my belief is it comes from inside, regardless of what the external circumstances are happening around us. We can suffer financial setbacks. Many people have recently. In the recent months, they've suffered great financial setbacks. We can suffer health setbacks. Other people have experienced that. I myself have dealt with a serious ongoing health condition for a long time. And it's been at times very difficult. But I know this, those external conditions do not determine my level of prosperity. My level of prosperity, in my particular case, your beliefs may, may be a little different than this, but in my particular case, my true prosperity comes from my creator who put me here for a purpose and who never abandons me, who is always present with me. I'm always aware of his presence. And, you know, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within. So that means it's within each of us. He said, seek first the kingdom. Don't in the context was he was talking about, don't worry about clothes and food and the things that you need for life living because your father in heaven knows you need them. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And that means that what's his kingdom, first of all? Well, it's the king's domain. It's, it's, it's the universe that we find ourselves in. It's where you are right now. The kingdom is within. And it says, seek his righteousness. So it's not about us like keeping some religious rules or living up to some impossible standard. It's the righteousness of the creator of the universe. 
and all these other things will be added to you. And some people like to argue about the kingdom being based on rules and regulations. Um, the, the apostle Paul wrote, the kingdom of God is not, does not consist of what we eat and what we drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. And to me, if you have peace and joy and you have that sense of abundance and connection with your creator, you are prosperous regardless of any external circumstance. All right. Now, I, w- I want to move into the area, though, that most of us think about when we talk about prosperity. And you address that head on. It's not like we're avoiding that or we're just going to somehow spiritualize this. Well, you're prosperous if you know who God made you to be. You know, we want to really lean into this area. What does it mean to be prosperous in 2021 in the United States of America? I have here in my office a silver goblet that sits on top of a silver saucer. And every member of my mastermind has one of these. I see them when we're on our weekly calls. And it's to remind us of symbolic where this comes from. But there's a service in the Jewish culture called the Havdalah that happens in the evening of the Sabbath. The family is together. The father starts pouring wine into a goblet on top of a saucer. The only time it's on top of a saucer in Jewish culture. Pours wine into that goblet until it's full, and he continues to pour, and it overflows into the saucer. Meaning, symbolically, we're going to go into the workplace tomorrow and do what we do with such excellence that it fills our cup, everything our family could possibly need, And we have then an abundance from which we can give give generously. Now, a lot of people have taken, have not kind of moved into that space. They think somehow it's more godly to have an empty cup. If I have something, I should feel guilty about it. I should give it away so that I don't have that anymore. How do you approach this concept of we serve best from a full cup in terms of financially? Yes, I look back to the, the early history in the Bible of God's interaction with humankind and Abraham, often known as Father Abraham, the father of faith for three great faith traditions in the world. He was, it, the scripture says that God made him rich in land, in cattle, and in silver and gold. And I don't think it, that the silver and gold was included as a, an afterthought or just a passing reference. I think it was put there on purpose so we could look back even to the beginning and see that this was good in God's eyes, that Abraham prospered. And as we look down through the Christian tradition, we see that we are heirs to the promises of Abraham, which Abraham was promised prosperity. And you can't give what you don't have. You can't give freely of something you don't possess. So if we don't have prosperity, how can we help? Well, I'm not saying if you, if you don't have a lot of money, you can't help people. You can. You can help people one-to-one. You can pray. You can do acts of service. And that is all a high calling. And at the same time, it's also a high calling to be successful in business and to make lots of money. Even if, let's say that you make lots of money and you don't have a, a, a plan to give to charity, but you just make lots of money and you have a nice home and a nice life for your family, you can't have those things if you're not giving something of value to the people who are your customers and enriching their lives through your services and products. And by doing that, you can't do that without enriching the lives of your employees, your vendors, the people that 
pay you pay for the real estate space you lease offices in or that you bought the offices from the taxes that you pay there's so many ways in which a big prosperous enterprise produces great wealth not just for you but for everybody who's involved or touched by it right down to the person who cleans the bathrooms in the building and that person has the choice to rise up and become an uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneur easy for me to say entrepreneurial <laughs> leader in their own right if they so choose and that's where the choice is up to us each individually. And I look to people like Dave Ramsey is a great example of someone who has lived out this principle in real life. And people have talked about how much money he makes and how big his house is. And I just saw where he gave $10 million to pay off people's debt. There was no strings attached. There was no publicity stunt. There was no condition you had to meet. He just went in and found the debts and paid them off and sent people unnoticing your debt's been paid off. That's the power of God in somebody's heart working to service, to serve other people generously from a full overflowing cup. All right. Now that moves us into another area I want to unpack with you. That being, what do we use as our vehicle for generating financial prosperity? And you say in your book, business is the answer to poverty. Business is the means by which we abolish poverty, give people dignity and increase wealth but when we buy into the propaganda that business and prosperity are evil, we actually promote poverty and hinder God's purposes. Now, you and I are both entrepreneurs. Now, what that means, I mean, when I see somebody who is in a traditional job, and a lot of people are, and rightfully so, but, you know, they may get a 3 or 4% increase this year being a new year, and they're grateful for that. But when we move out of the traditional jobs, we really open the vault, so to speak, in terms of possibilities, where somebody can create a course. I mean, uh, this morning, somebody asked me about the possibilities. Can you really make money online? I said, well, you know, I did a little course years ago on how to create your own mastermind. I put it out on Udemy. Now we sell a lot of them on our site and through other resources, but we put it on Udemy and I looked up just what my figures were from there. I've had 2,293 students go through that. So it required of me a Friday morning to put that together, did the little videos. We put it out 2,293 students. And with the average income that I get from that, I'm right at $88,000. That's a leverage that people perhaps weren't able to see even 20 years ago. If somebody's working on a farm like my dad did, he didn't get that kind of upside. We milked the cows. We knew what we were going to get for that. Harvest the hay, the corn, the soybeans. You didn't get that kind of big bump at all. In today's world, we have opportunities to get those really big, explosive increases in our income. What are the dangers and the opportunities in that? Well, as an entrepreneur, part of being an entrepreneur is you're taking a certain amount of risk. You have an idea, a concept, a way of serving people, and you're going to charge money for it. And you have to invest capital to make that happen. That's why it's called capitalism. And there's a risk. You might not get your capital back. But your capital doesn't have to be a huge sum of money. It can be as an investment. You can invest lots of money to build a restaurant or a television network or spaceships like Elon Musk or electric cars or your capital can be your intellectual capital, your ideas, your expertise, your wisdom, your knowledge. And we've given, we've been given such a great tool and opportunity with the internet to digitally distribute our knowledge, our wisdom, and our experience at virtually 
not not completely no cost. We have to like be able to get access to the internet and maybe pay $8 for a domain name. There's some minimal cost to get started, but you can start for almost no money and put your knowledge on the market, your expertise, your teaching ability, your ability, just your ability to encourage. There are people, Dan, as you know, whose job is to just make other people feel good. And they get paid millions of dollars to do that. Comedians, motivational speakers, actors, singers, just to make other people feel good. How can you possibly measure the limit of how good people want to feel? And we just look at people like there's a, there's a comedian named JP Sears. You've probably seen some of his funny stuff online. That's a guy who, who built a business on making funny videos. So it doesn't always have to be about how to make money or how to build a certain kind of uh, system for, for raising your own farm foods or some deep exotic expertise that you don't have. It could be something as simple as making people feel good, teaching people how to do a certain skill. Like if you don't know how to do spreadsheets, there's plenty of people who teach how to do spreadsheets and online courses and digital knowledge products that make a lot of money just teaching what they know. All right. So we know the door is really open in ways that it hasn't been before for us to make extraordinary amounts of money. So with that, so if we say, okay, so Ray and Dan have made a lot of money. So they're going to help eliminate poverty by taking then half the money that they made and simply giving it to people that don't have any. You kind no. of put... <laughs> no. I mean, if, if you want to do that, if, you, if you're super generous and you've got all that you want and desire and need and you feel like what would make me happiest is to take half my fortune and just give it away, then I encourage you, I bless you and think that's, that's magnificent. I don't have any illusion that Dave Ramsey giving away $10 million means he gave away half of what he owns. I don't believe that for a minute. And some people may say, well, he's so rich, it doesn't matter. Trust me, giving away $10 million, it's still $10 million. It's, it takes, I think it takes a certain amount of guts to do that, to say, I'm just going to give this away with no direct expectation of return at all, except that I feel like this is what God wants me to do. I can't speak for Dave. I don't know exactly what motivated him, but I hallucinate that it was something like that. And so I feel like even if you never give away a single dollar to charity or directly to quote poor people, you're still benefiting the poor by being in business because you benefit you yourself, your company, your family, your employees, their families, you're sending people to school, you're buying insurance, which helps the insurance agents that sold you the insurance. You're, you're paying for real estate. You're paying for carpeting, for cleaning services. You're paying for things that you buy from vendors that pays for their lifestyle, their living, their education, their children's education, whatever charities they give to. It has such a ripple effect. I don't think people understand or appreciate, just as a business person who maybe never gives a dollar away in charity, how much you're benefiting the world and society. You cannot, this is my core belief. You cannot prosper in a sustainable long-term way without automatically, inherently prospering others in the process. Well, and you kind of blew a hole in the old concept of giving back, which implies, okay, you've been taking forever, and now you're going to somehow reverse that and give back. You're saying that if you have a ethical business, you're giving back from day one. Yes, and I really don't like that phrase giving back. I think I learned that from Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. One of his pet, pet peeves for sure. Yeah. Actually in, in the, there's a Jewish philosopher uh, named Moses Memoditas who ranked various acts of charitable giving. And he believed the highest form of giving was to put the recipient in business for himself, thus making him independent of charity. 
this idea that somehow we ought to penalize people who have made money by forcing that money to be redistributed to people who have none. All it does is perpetuate those people having none because we've done nothing to equip them to be self-sustaining. That's exactly right. 100% agree with that. Okay. You know, I, when I was a poor farm kid, I somehow got a hold of the little audio recording, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. And I would listen to that over and over and over again. I thought, can I really change the projected direction of my life by changing what I think about? And the, the essential message of that recording is we become what we think about. Now, how do we, how do we keep that from becoming a very selfish, egotistical kind of direction when, okay, I believe, you know, if I think about being rich or think about having a Mercedes in the driveway, I can just get that. How do we have this healthy balance between that becoming just a very personally obsessive desire as opposed to utilizing the very best that God has given us to make an impact in the world? Well, I think it's in what we think about every day, all day long, as the great Earl Nightingale said. And that means for me, I'm thinking about my customers and my, not just people who pay me, but also people who just listen to my podcast. Maybe they never buy anything from me. They never spend a dollar with me, but in everything I do, my podcast, my YouTube videos, in my products themselves, for those who are purchasing or buying products, including a book, I'm thinking about the person who's going to receive it and how am I going to benefit them at the highest level? How can I deliver my product at the highest level? level of excellence and how can it be constructed and built and delivered in such a way that it delivers prosperity to the recipient, regardless of what level they execute at. I want to give them the best I can in value so they can prosper as much as possible. And nothing pleases me more. I do a lot of teaching and coaching and I mastermind with people and nothing pleases me more than one of my students. Nothing pleases me more than for one of my students to exceed me in terms of how much money they make, how much success they have, I'm pleased with anyone who joins any of our programs or learns from us and any benefit they get from it. But I'm most pleased by the students who do better than me because that tells me I've been serving them at the highest level possible. And that just means unlocking the gates for them. What probably just mental gates, barriers they've constructed in their own mind, helping them dismantle some of those beliefs that are holding them back so they can go out and produce more prosperity for the rest of us to enjoy. And that's what the greatest entrepreneurs do. That's what Elon Musk has done. That's what Steve Jobs did. That's what Bill Gates has done. They provided all these doorways for us to enjoy things we couldn't have dreamed of a hundred years ago. Yeah. Your primary work and what you're known for is your copywriting. And the application of that has been working with people like Mark Victor Hansen, Tony Robbins, and certainly lots of others to help them craft messages whereby people are comfortable purchasing something that those people are offering. That can be seen as a very manipulative kind of thing to somehow use hype and emotion to force people into decisions they shouldn't have made. I mean, how do you combat that in the normal work that you do, knowing that your work is designed to help these people make a lot of money? Well, I think about it this way. I never will write or help construct a sales or marketing message for someone's product that I don't believe in first. And all the people you just named are people who I had learned from and they had meant so much to me in my life, their work, their books, their audios, their programs. You yourself, before we knew each other personally, I'd listened to your podcast, I'd read your book and you'd done such great service for me that I would have written copy for you for free just to help you 
grow your business because I felt you had given me so much already. And so for each of those individuals, it's been my privilege to work with them and help sell their products because I know the good they're doing for the people who enroll in their programs and benefit from their knowledge, their expertise and their services. So I'm always looking at selling, not as a manipulation, something that we do to people as Zig Ziglar would say, it's not something you do to people, it's something you do for people. Absolutely. Wow. I love that. I love how you frame that. Goodness. Well, when we talk about being prosperous, if we look around the world, you know, those of us who happen to live in the United States are pretty stinking prosperous. You substantiate in your book, the family median income in the United States is $55,575. That puts us in the top 0.23% of the people in the entire world. Not in the top 1%, but in the top 0.23%. That's pretty astounding when we think about that in terms of we're already prosperous. I mean, people who uh, who say they're struggling, you know, they've got a the latest iPhone. You know, they got cable TV. They got a Lexus in the garage, and the kids go to private school and are going on a cruise. I mean, what those things seem to be kind of natural expectations. This whole idea of being prosperous. I mean, at what point, even financially, do you think somebody should begin to feel like I'm prosperous? Frankly, Dan, I think if you woke up this morning and drew breath, I think you might want to consider the idea that you're rich beyond your wildest dreams. You're breathing the air that your creator provided for you. You're alive. You have the opportunity to make today something different than yesterday was. And that's, it's very intentional the way I subtitled the book, How to Be Rich Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, because I believe that for most of us, the truth is we are already rich beyond our wildest dreams. It amuses me when I go to a church that's being legalistic about money and wanting to tell people that it's bad to have money. I haven't been to one of those churches in a long time. But when I heard those messages as a youth, it was to say, stop trying to get rich and just stay poor. And I've come to realize, really thanks to Andy Stanley, who has a book called How to Be Rich. And it's an intriguing title. And when you read it, you realize what he's saying to you is what I say in this book. You're already rich. It's not how to get rich. It's how to be rich. How to understand the gifts you've been given and the responsibility you have to steward those gifts because those gifts are not for us. They're for others. And if we let that flow, if we let that living water flow from us to others, we'll be prospered financially. Yes, but we'll be prospered spiritually as well. Cause we realize, look at the contributions I've been able to make in some humble way to other people's lives and look at some of the great things some of those people have accomplished. And I was a conduit. I got to play a part in that. That's, that's to me, that's rich beyond my wildest dreams. Oh, wow. That's, Rich conversation there for sure. Hey, just a couple other questions here. You know, a lot of times people feel that selling is somehow taking advantage of others. I mean, you and I both know people who are competent people who have good products and services and they cringe at the idea of having to sell those. I mean, how short-sighted is that in terms of how we can best serve people? Well, if you have anything that could benefit another person, whether it's in a small way or in a profound way in their lives, it makes their lives better. And you don't do everything within your power and within reason to convince them that you can help them. Why not? What's holding you back? And more, let me just put it more clearly. What right do you have to provide them with the ability to make the best decision they could for themselves? If you have something that you truly believe in, you believe will really help people, I think you have a responsibility to do whatever you can within your power to convince them and get them to, invest. 
so that their life can be better. If you know you can help them, why would you deprive them of that? Why would you hide that? I don't, I don't think that's very nice of you to do that. It'd be nicer of you to sell them something that helps them. I had a gentleman just this last week who is a very competent guy, and he knows that he can help people with their mindset and moving forward, but he hates the idea of having to sell. And I said, eliminate selling from your vocabulary. How can you best serve people? If you really figure out how to serve people, it's going to have a natural exchange so they can move forward in their lives. Yes. Well, the title of our page that sells our copywriting course, the headline says, Stop Selling and Start Serving. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. Well, based on this then, Ray, what do you want your business to do this year? Well, how do you mean that question specifically? <laughs> I want my business to prosper wildly. I want us to make, we have some very, very straightforward, very clear financial goals. We have a number of people we want to reach and we want to reach people with this message that right where you are right now, whatever your situation is, you can begin prospering more and seeing more prosperity in your life financially, mentally, physically, emotionally, in terms of your physical health, in all areas of life, in all things, even as your soul prospers. So at the deepest level, my my hope, my prayer, and my intention for my business is we help people prosper at the soul level so it shows up in every part of their lives. Awesome. Hey, tell us a couple of things. Let's say that your business prospers financially this year beyond anything you've ever experienced. How is it going to change your life? What will you do when that occurs? What will I do? I'll do more of what I'm doing right now. I'll spend... I would say things like I'm kind of at a loss. I There are things I would buy probably and invest in that I don't currently have, but I don't know what those things are because my real life, the joy that I get comes from helping people and helping free people from the shackles of poverty thinking. So I see me doing more of what we've been doing all along, which is spreading this message, teaching, connecting with people. I, I was, One thing I've deeply desired this year is to go travel. <laughs> And be face-to-face -face with human beings again, uh, outside the few people that we've been associated with because of social distancing and all those things. I really understood. I, I said before, this is something that's changed for me a lot in the last few months. I used to say I'm an introvert. I realized that's that's not true. That's an illusion. I said, that's a, that was a limiting belief I had. I miss being with people so much. I realized that so much of that came from being at live events, going to church services, being with groups of people, enjoying their company, breaking bread together, having meals together. Um, so I intend to do more of that as we prosper and we're already prospering. We'll continue to prosper. And I, I don't think I'm fundamentally going to change anything in my life. Well, speak, speaking of travel, uh, I want to see, I want to see you get that airplane. I know you got in your sights. I've got, I've got the airplane sitting back here on the, on the shelf. It's out of view of the camera right now, but yeah. I look at it every day. Hey, I love it. I love it. Well, let's say that somebody is just starting out. I mean, I work with a lot of people who are just coming into the workplace, trying to figure out what their, what careers are going to pursue, what they're going to, you know, what advice do you have for somebody who's really looking for a way to fulfill their godly purpose? Well, I would prayerfully approach fulfilling my godly purpose by thinking about what value can I bring to the world and what do I love most? There's a book I recommend. It's called 48 Days of the Work You Love. <laughs> And I really recommend you take a look at that because it's, it's foundational to figure out what it is you do love. And of course, we talk somewhat about this subject in my book, Permission to Prosper. There's at the, Toward the end of the book, I talk about becoming an entrepreneur. 
and being a business person and being in business and the different kinds of businesses that are available. And in fact, people who purchase the book have an opportunity to enroll in a free course we have available for those who buy the book. Uh, they get the free audio version of the book and they get a free mini course helping them walk them through the process of what is it that I want to create and put into the world that'll create more value and that'll create more prosperity for me and the people that I'm able to help. So we have some guide guidelines for that that's available to people who invest in the book. All right. Well, beautiful. Well, that's a great place to wrap up. Permission to Prosper is the book, subtitle How to Be Rich Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. If you go to permission to prosper.com. You'll have an opportunity there to get more details about the book, get some bonus content. You'll be able to get not only the, the printed book, but a free copy of the audio done by Ray as well. So again, permission to prosper.com. Ray, thanks so much for spending this time with us. I love unpacking. I don't often have a guest on my podcast, but I so wanted to unpack the content here because it so ties in with the message that I want to share with people as well. So Hey, I, I pray above all that thou mayest prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. And you as well, my friend. It's been my pleasure. Well, there you go. Great conversation. The great friend. Ray and I have been friends for a long time. I had the privilege of writing the foreword to this book, Permission to Prosper. So check it out. Go to permissiontoprosper.com. You'll see some resources there that will continue your thinking, your applying these principles. I hope it's been freeing for you, encouraging, inspiring. You really can be rich and do it in a way that makes the world a better place, that makes you a better person as well in the process. Let us know your success stories. Shoot your questions into me at askdan at 48days.com. Your success stories, your questions about this or questions about things that you're struggling with in your work as well. Thanks for being part of this growing community where you know what I'm going to say now, where we know without any doubt we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.